guys what's up it's been a while <laughs> since i talked to you guys two three weeks i think and i took this break because it was election time and i didn't know how i was going to feel there was election day and then there was after the election day it was nerve-wracking for a little bit and then finally i can exhale there's still a lot of other things going on right now. It'll be an interesting end of the year in terms of politics. But I took that break because of that. Also, I started a new job. And I wanted to focus more on that. Moving forward, I have two more episodes left before the end of the year, before I take my seasonal break. I also want to let you guys know that I'm going to start an email list. If you just sign up on archispoly.online, you could um, sign up to be part of the email list. So why sign up to this email list? During my break, I want to keep in touch um, and let you guys know what is going on. I am on social media, Twitter, as well as Instagram. But those of you who don't frequent social media, I want to be able to reach out to you too. Email list it is. I, I hold off for a long time to of doing an email list because the last thing I want to do is spam anybody. I know there's plenty of other podcasts that send stuff every day, every two weeks or once a month or anything like that. And I, I don't have the energy or time to do that as much as I would love to sit and craft a newsletter and do it at least on a a bi-weekly basis I just don't have the time at this moment but I do want to send something out I I am planning on doing a year end of the year summary or a seasonal summary just highlighting what I've learned this year it's so hard to believe that Right when Kobe died, that's when I started a podcast and that's when everything went down here from there. So I just wanted to just highlight my accomplishments, achievements, thanking you guys for just listening to me and supporting me. I I spoke to a lot of people and I think my final episode will just be a summary, just me talking and Wishing everybody happy holidays, all that jazz. But I just want to give you guys a heads up and to, if anything, here's a call of action. Sign up for my email list. Again, it's arcispoly.online. It'll, I think I'll do a pop-up. So if you hang around the the website, it'll, it'll pop up and say, hey, join my email list. I'm thinking about doing that. But anyway, it'll be on the website and I'll show like post it on social media as well. I want to put La Primavera in front of it, but it's not La Primavera. It's Primavera Arch. Four women from the Spritzer School of Architecture. We talked about a lot of things. I'm going to call it organization because that's what it feels like. It feels like an organization. It feels, no, it feels, what does it feel like? It's kind of hard to, for me to pinpoint what it is. I want to say it's, it's a studio. And I think I mentioned that in the interview that it's Primavera Arc. It feels like a studio. It, it feels like four women who are about to do some great things for architecture. And what I, I love about this group of women is that they're so diverse. 
and how they were able to come together in school and even outside of school after they all graduated and realize that there's a need. There's this need of highlighting, highlighting the introvert, as I think is mentioned. We talk a little bit about New York, where all these ladies are, even though they're from all over uh, the place. We also talked a little bit about their school, just a little bit. We, we talked about colorism. We touched upon that topic. And the term Latinx. And is it Hispanic? Is it Latin? X. It was a great conversation and it's one of those that I could talk to them for hours. I woke them up early Saturday morning <laughs> to do the interview because I knew that just just by how we interacted and I don't even know who I was talking to when I was corresponding with them via DM, but I just knew that this would be a two, three, four hour conversation, which it was not. Thank goodness it's only an, an hour, a little over an hour. I think that's it, guys. I, I haven't mentioned their names because right off the bat, I just start off with them introducing themselves. Thanks for listening. Bye. My name is Nadine Hassan. I am the co-founder and director of Prima Verarc. I'm Egyptian-American, and I got into architecture because I really want to make a difference for people spatially um, across the world. My name is Sharon so I'm from a lot of places. I, I was born in Seoul, South Korea. I grew up in the East Coast in New York. And I started architecture because I think it's truly an interdisciplinary field. We get to do a lot of things and it's really people oriented. And I grew up with a type of architecture that was very people oriented. So I was very interested in that. And I'm also a co-founder and senior editor of Primavera Arc. How'd you get from Seoul to the East Coast? How old were you when you uh-huh. left? I was five. So I consider myself more American than I am a bit, and then I am Korean. And I left because obviously a lot of immigrants are trying to find a better life and my parents wanted a better education for all of us and a better opportunity. And I think Korea at that time, we were emerging just as a country, like it was starting to be more open to international kind of being able to study abroad. And my parents were just, if we don't do it now, then when? So they took that opportunity and to just go. (laughs) So after that, I'm sorry, I don't mean to focus on you. You said East Coast. So you guys went up and down the East Coast or... Yeah, so I've lived in, we we based ourselves in Flushing, New York, and then I moved to, I moved to Bayside, like Queens area, and then I moved to um, Long Island, so I've been kind of all over the place, and then I moved back to Queens, and then I moved now um, based in Westchester, which is right above the Bronx, so I've been in all of the city. You are a true New Yorker. Okay, all right. Because place is very important to me because it defines like who you are and how you grow up yeah. and everything. So when that was a difficult question for you, I was like, why is that a difficult question? Like, how, how does that have to... Okay, all right, who's next? Hi, my name is Solani Marquez. I am, I live currently in the Bronx, but I was born in Honduras. I lived there for about 10 years and then I moved here. And I always, I just moved here to the Bronx and I've been living here ever since. 
and I really grew to love it. I know people have a lot of hate for the Bronx, but I think that it's a great place, to be honest. All these different ethnic backgrounds that I feel like maybe, I mean, except for the exception of Queens, I feel like we're also very diverse. Like that. <laughs> I'm also one of the co-founders and creative editors of Prima Vet Arc. So, Ted, do you remember mm-hmm. a lot of things? How was that transition for you? Were you excited to come to the U.S.? Or were you like, I want to stay? I'm a, I wanna... Not really. So I was uh, very young and I was actually raised by my aunt over there. So she wasn't allowed to come here. My dad was already here and he was the one that brought us over. But I didn't know him for 10 years. Mm-hmm. He wasn't allowed to travel. He was illegally here at the beginning. So when we came here, we came by ourselves. Like I traveled on a plane with my sister by myself at the age of 10. And I really thought we were coming on vacation. And I think they explained it to me, but I just didn't process it that we were actually staying here. Mm-hmm. And then it hit after a couple of weeks. We're like, oh, when am I going home? Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was a lot. I felt like it was a little traumatizing at the beginning, especially because I was like with a new family that I didn't know. Yeah, before. basically. Yeah. So you're the oldest of your sister? Or? I was like the middle child. Okay. Yeah, but I only... It was complicated. I have two half-sisters that I didn't grow up with. So I did, it was just me and my older sister traveling together. And lastly? Hi, I'm Martha Sombrano. I'm one of the co-founders and content strategists at Prima Vark. So I grew up in New York all, like practically all my life. I first was born in Queens and then I moved to Brooklyn 10 years ago. But my parents originate from Caracas, Venezuela. And so I got into architecture because my family was really into art and I was also into like structures and how like historical buildings looked in New York City. And that also kind of grew me into how buildings develop. And I guess that's how I kind of got into it. And then to conclude how we all met. (laughs) So we all met in our first year, first semester in studio. We were like in this small uh, little studio. I think it was like about 12 people. And we kind of just clicked like maybe like mid semester. And then we were just all together for the last five years. How many women in your studio? It was about 50-50 male and female. I feel like it was predominantly women at one point, but then they slowly started dropping out throughout the years. So it kind of like fluctuated. And how many people of color? So with Black women, it was hardly any. Like in our year, I think there was only one Black Caribbean girl and two Afro-Latinos. But with Black men, I think it was way more. Like we saw a few handful in our year. Um, And when you guys graduated, all you guys are graduating. How many were were in your graduating class? That was hard to tell us since we didn't see everybody during graduation. Oh, yeah, because it was virtual. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But to give you like a rough estimate, I want to say five Black men and one Black female in our year. Okay. And then of course, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that City College in general, though, compared to other architecture schools, it's like the most diverse student body. I think it's the most I've seen because I've been to other schools like to visit my friends and I just don't feel the same <laughs> as where I am at City College, yeah. In terms of me, especially being Latinx, I heard multiple people speaking Spanish in the studio and I was comfortable with that. Like I would join the conversations in Spanish. I feel like it's something I wouldn't get in a different school. 
So you guys enjoyed your experience there, correct? Any, you didn't have any issues or anything like that? Because I, when me talking about, oh, you're laughing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think a part of why we did start Prima Virarc is because it's not really our experience, but more what we started realizing about the profession itself, the architecture itself, of course, the education system, just how people are treated in general, seeing homeless people as a problem, but then seeing outdoor dining as something that was fixable in five seconds raises questions. And we just thought that we have a voice and we have ideas to bring as long as people are willing to hear us and we have the strength to celebrate everyone. So that's kind of how we started. But, you know, we also clicked in first semester because we all did come from different cultures and that forced us to learn a lot about each other, which led us to value each other throughout the years. So we never hesitated to ask each other questions. Even if we were wrong, we corrected each other without taking anything to heart. So it was really this growth that happened throughout our years. And that's something that I think all of us are thankful for. Yeah, I mean, to kind of go off of Nadine, right, we also talking about the cultural differences, a lot of us were didn't have architectural backgrounds. We knew what architecture was, but essentially, we're kind of lost. And I think that's really what that's maybe the initial kind of thing that brought us together, where we understood the struggle, we understood that it was really unfamiliar to us and we were able to kind of sit next to each other and be like, hey, like we, we can get through this because there were people who were negative and who were not supportive of us pursuing architecture, whether it was intentional or not. We really persevered with that and, and that's kind of what led us to be connected for five years. Yeah, I think having the support of each other throughout the five years really helped. I think in architecture school in general, you just need people because you can't do like the whole school system by yourself, especially in architecture. You stay late nights, you worked overtime, you need people to share your projects with. So you do need that support of people. And I think having people that understand what you go through at home with your parents Having immigrant parents, they're like, why do you have to stay in school till this hours? Why is this necessary? And they don't understand. So you need other people to speak to that. Also have parents like that. (laughs) So I think that was also very important for us coming together as a group of friends. And that's why we stuck together for so long. And we just generally have enjoyed each other's company. So I think that's very nice. In terms of Prima coming together, I think that this is not just a problem in schools, it's also a problem in like the profession overall, but like recognition in general for women is just, it's lacking everywhere. And if you're not a big outstanding person that's always yelling off the top of their lungs, like I'm here, then you won't get that recognition. Or if you don't do a super successful project with a famous firm. And I feel like there's so many people that are doing great things that don't get that recognition just because they're not on the popular circle. So that's sort of how this whole thing started because we saw also many students, like many of our friends, that are very introverted. They don't speak as much, but they're great designers. They have all these great projects and they don't get recognition because they they don't come out and say, hey, look at this, look what I did, because they're shy. But we see it. It's kind of like the behind the scenes genius people. I definitely so, noticed that on yeah. websites, yeah. Martha, you want to <laughs> add anything to this? 
I think like how everybody said, just because we all look different culturally, we're all different, but we all kind of were relatable to one another. The fact that we have different cultures and we can relate to having immigrant parents and that struggle of like always staying late, but you have to explain to your immigrant parents that I have to be here. This is what I worked so hard for. I can't just go home and give it up. So that was another struggle that we all connected with each other. And the fact that we saw each other for so many hours is you kind of have to talk to your partner. Otherwise, you're going to be mute the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, how Sawani was saying, it was such a popularity contest in our school. And I think male students were always recognized. Women, it was kind of 50-50, depending if you were like kissing ass to the professor or something. But other than that, if you were shy, you were never going to get acknowledged. Yeah, I just wanted to really piggyback on Martha's statement because I do really think that architecture field itself overall really forces us to kind of try to gain attention from you. But I think the four of us have this mentality that my standards are a little too high. I'm not going to sell myself to you for you to accept me. And I think that's something, even when we reach out to our features, we try to embrace in them and tell them you don't you're already special you're you have your experience you have your story to share it might not be a story that was recognized but that's why prima is here is to recognize your voice two things something hopefully i remember that point before i go back i'm staying with school right now i know for me the cost was a huge issue for me how did you guys handle that because it ain't cheap and i don't mean tuition wise tuition is a totally separate thing so how did you got, did you struggle with that at all? Or is, was that a issue for you or? I mean, with material wise, that was always, I feel like an issue for us because professor would ask us to redo models. And obviously these models were coming out of our own pockets because they wouldn't give us like supplies or money to buy these materials. And sometimes it would be like, what like the most expensive materials. So we would have to keep going back and forth and pay for the bus ride to get to the art store. So it was like this whole thing where we kind of just had to learn of what we need to pay or like what we need to put our expenses on. And then on top of that, obviously food. And we would stay there for like probably the whole day, whole night. So we have to buy two meals. So it was like this whole thing. We need to see like what we're spending on. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) I think for yeah, Martha, for a lot of us materials and that the cost of that was really expensive and kind of thinking back over that we're in school for five years. So if you really kind of put that into context, it is a lot. But I think Martha said it beautifully. I need to do this and this is what I want to do. So no matter how we we pulled through. You're very frugal. (laughs) We would make, Martha would save materials. And I think all of us, we would save materials and make sure that it was used. So we were very sustainable in in that way. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we would make sure that we were getting our worth of what's given to us, right? Like the $50 material and studio fee. We get $100 in our computer lab account. Can we take advantage of that and make sure that we're using it until the full hundred dollars so that it's being used? So yeah, it, it was a very huge factor. But I think it because we are a public university, that everybody kind of had the very frugal mindset. So in that way, it was a really nice community because we're all like, guys, we can't spend too much money. <laughs> Let's make sure that we're all getting our worth. And so in that way, I, I don't think we felt it as much as maybe we would have in a, in a private school. 
but yeah, it it was definitely a struggle. Your school was on the news recently. I had some things to say about that. I want to know your opinions on that. Just to give you some context of of what's going on, we don't know the 100% accurate information. What's being told to us is not 100%. There's a lot of back and forth. And Melissa, maybe like it's with the article, (laughs) with them coming out as an institution. So in that way, it's a bit hard to say, but we totally understand our dean and where she's coming from there are issues that that's not the that's not the first time we're very aware of those of those issues and of those inequities but we i guess more as students we fear the, the consequences of kind of this these events right like the students were going through this trans- transition and now they're kind of having to figure out what to do next for 5 years we were without a dean we were, we had our interim dean. So kind of, it's hard. <laughs> so were you guys in school when she was there or no? She was there the last sem- semester, but mm-hmm. we knew her. She was going through the process of becoming dean and the interview process in the fall semester. So we knew her roughly a year, right? Like she was present in our school, but she was really in charge that last semester we were there. Okay. So you didn't really see- experience her well i was no i don't think we experienced her work as much just because we only were there for the last semester but me personally i was actually part of the dean committee that elected her to the dean position so i was one of the students that was in that committee position and i remember during her interview we were also amazed we were like oh she's amazing we should totally bring her here. And everybody was really excited. I remember everybody in the school was so excited when she decided to come to City College and everybody was looking forward to those new changes. The students were happy because we, as Sharon said before, we didn't have an actual dean for all these past years. And then she like represented all this new change that was gonna happen in the school that had been kind of left on pause. And during, she kind of came in during our final semester, which honestly, it was not a great start for her, I feel like, because the whole pandemic hit right away. So imagine starting a job that way also. It's just, it's not okay. Like with all these responsibilities on top of you. So I feel like all of that was very exhausting. To the rest of it, honestly, I feel like I cannot speak on it because I don't, it will be sort of like gossiping in a way because I don't know the full yeah. story. So I don't know the full story from her and I don't know the full story from the school. So it's like, where do I stand? Mm-hmm. Which I'm not asking for. Yeah. Yeah. But, and it's also like, I think we're not even in the mailing list for the school anymore. Yeah, so like, the only email we ever got was yeah. like the president of the entire college. So like we're in the college mailing list, mailing but like list. on the specific architecture school. Yeah, you're, you're the alumni now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got one from the president. We didn't get one from like the Spitzer school. That I think but other I students think- have gotten. I think students yeah. yeah. So current students did get an email that was obviously written for the sake of students. So kind of just explaining that she won't be the dean anymore and that her last few days will be kind of ending in January. But I think one of my encounters with her personally, and this is why like I have such a good memory, is I remember I was in studio and that's when a lot of people started to panic about the lockdown in New York. 
And I remember she just went to, she ran up to every studio and she was like, calm down, don't worry, we'll go through this. So we all remember like really good memories of her. And I think it's very unfortunate that she did face this experience because her energy was really radiant. And I think people need to realize that she didn't just come during the pandemic and then during the unfortunate moments of George Floyd and then the reoccurrence of Black Lives Matter, but she also came five years later and that's five years of things that people recognized that needed to be fixed. And that was all pressure that was kind of placed on her and every single person, even just among the students, have different priorities, mm-hmm. right? We all want to prioritize women of color. Someone else may just want to prioritize a scholarship. And those are all concerns that were raised at such a rapid pace. So I think moving forward, we really need to reflect on, let's really integrate everyone, everyone's voices, and really think about priorities. Because you can't expect someone who is so powerful and I think Sawani can really explain that because she was on the committee to interview her and just throw all this on her and expect her to change it in a second because that's just humanely impossible we I think we all wish her the best and we are all proud alumni of Spitzer and that's why we do want to give back and actually Prima did just launch a leadership program for women for Spitzer students oh great so Mm-hmm. How did you guys come up with the name? Maybe. <laughs> well, we just, we felt like we were blooming into the next gen of architects. And we just felt that we felt like a change really needs to happen. And we felt like a lot of platforms around us were really trying, but we just felt like there wasn't something that was just for diverse women to amplify women from any school, from anywhere all around the world. We also used this method of not reaching out to people to recommend others because we felt everyone was biased. So we just went in for it and <laughs> just messaged a lot of people and a lot of women responded. And they were like, me, I have nothing to say, but like really me? And we were like, yes. So we really referred to the Renaissance movement and the term primavera relating to spring. So relating to like, we're renewing the system, we're changing the system in architecture for women. Is it just for students or Spritzer students or it could be anybody? It's anybody. We obviously like to, we kind of drive towards students because I think we, a lot of students are kind of shy and they don't, it's a great way to kind of, you know, network and start, but we've had features on our Transcend page where there are professionals and there are architects. So it's open to everybody. And the features that you have, you started with Transcend and is, is that my memory serves me? Yeah. We actually, I mean, Transcend is kind of like our it's a series, the first series that really represents us. But we actually, now that I'm remembering, we really started with the grad series, right? Like we, I think right, we just graduated and we were like, how do we just, is really depressing, pandemic, how do we empower our recent grads, our peers? And so we started, we just gathered everybody's projects and we're like, we want to feature you, we want to highlight you. And that was our kind of foundation. I think that it was really, it was a really great start because we were like, 
we don't care. Let's just empower ourselves. And then, yeah, the Transcend was is a series that that truly represents us, and that's the first one. Um, yeah. Yeah, just going off what Sharon was saying, I think that also one of the reasons we got started at the beginning was because we did graduate during the pandemic. So we were kind of, I would say, almost depressed towards the end. We're like, oh, okay. So after graduation, you just click like end meeting. It was sort of sad. (laughs) So we're like, we kind of need more than that, especially because our final projects were a little bit harder, I think, than the rest. Well, you try hard because you're like, it's my final project. I want to make it look nice. Usually what happens is that students pin up their work towards the end and the entire family comes to see it. Or like you you invite family members and they come over the gallery of the school and they see your project after graduation. And that was like not happening. So we're like, we were also trying to find a way to do this where everybody could see it. So that's why we collected everybody's work and we were like, let's feature it on our page. That way, if your family wants to see it, all they have to do is go on our link and click and see their projects. So I feel like that was a way to empower our class in general. So they also, like, so there will be something else rather than just ending the meeting after graduation. And I think our first post actually started with Transcend and then we moved on to the grad series because we really wanted to start by people knowing that this is not just for the, it's not just going to be about students and them graduating. It's going to be more than that. We're not going to stop at that. We're going to keep going. And I think that's why we decided to feature Isabella Joseph as, as her first Transcend series. Like she was part of the Spitzer student body. She was out of the school. So I, I was like, let's just start by like the strong woman, women of color as well. And let's just put her out here, put her in the map. She made history for our, our school. So I was like, why not? show everybody what we have in City College because I feel it's not advertised as much. And then we continued on to our grad series. And from there, we post for Transcend every Wednesday. Like it's a series that I think we all are super excited about. I think it might also be one of my favorites because just like hearing women's story in general, everybody has such a different story. And it's so interesting to just go over and read what their responses are. I'm like, wow, so this happened, huh? Mm-hmm. And you just get to meet people that you never thought you would ever meet, like from other states that I never even traveled to. <laughs> but yeah, it's so much fun. Yeah, like how Sawani was saying, we got to meet other people through Primavera because they would either um, contact us or we would contact them. And we got to talk to some students in Arizona. And yeah, we clicked with them. And I also found some people who are also from my culture. And so it's like these things that you would, you kind of have to take light into the situation of this pandemic. So we get to meet more people, even though we don't get to see face to face or we don't get to go out. We still get to do a lot of, I lost the word. Um, Yes, a lot of networking through this Zoom calls. But I really think suddenly we started getting a lot of emails from women that want to be featured. And after every email, it was kind of like a celebration moment for us because we felt like we are doing something, we are doing something that is very much needed. And to even see like their confidence, hey, I want to be featured and this is my story. And what we really love about Transcend is that it's not similar questions. Each of the set of questions is catered to each person's experiences. So we learn about them and then we form questions. And I think also seeing the need that 
you cannot only have kind of an education system. A lot of students start talking about how AIAS, NOMAS, um, and other organizations formed them as a person, but also professionally, and seeing just how each school handles things and starting to see how everyone comments and supports one another under our posts. It just brings this light and it, it starts to be really reassuring to show you People do have support systems and it feels great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So another initiative I know you guys celebrated his Hispanic Heritage Month. Yeah. <laughs> I could I could is it Hispanic or Latin because Latin because I remember your post and it had Latin mm-hmm. Latinx. So I was yeah. like, which yeah, one? Yeah, that was it? a whole <laughs> conflict with us because we were like indecisive to do Hispanic or Latin because mm-hmm. technically Hispanic is for like people who came who were derived from Spain, mm-hmm. but not everybody who is Latin is from Spain. So that that's where it gets like tricky. I'm glad you read my mind because that's exactly. <laughs> like, Wait, what is it? I don't want to be politically incorrect here. What is it? Well, we actually had a three-hour conversation <laughs> regarding to just what name should it be because we just felt like so me and Sharon are not from Latin American descent so we had a lot to learn and a lot to question and obviously I think Prima also taught us that just one Latinx or like one Arab or one Asian does not speak for the entire population so we were really struggling with that and then I think at some point we came to the realization that we cannot make every person happy and we have to obviously while we're being respectful to everyone we're also showing what we believed and that's when the term Latinx came about for the sake of inclusivity of all and we really wanted to highlight people from Latin America and show their voices in architecture because we felt like there were a lot of Spaniards and then some Latin Americans would kind of be mixed in there so we really wanted to amplify their voices and then it was really to celebrate Latin Americans in architecture. We showed their projects. We did quizzes to have people interact because we felt that every person can celebrate the the month by educating themselves about the culture. And then since we are an architectural organization, we really touched based on that and we amplified Latinx women in, in in architecture and each one had a different story to share and each one came from a different generation so we had a third year or a fourth year student a recent graduate a junior architect an architect so we really tried to get everyone because the point is at the end of the day primavera becomes an index of people that you can research and learn about that's basically the gist of it there's always so much to say <laughs> well yeah um, we we did, I think one of the, the posts, we also talked about the lack of ac- access and equity for, mm-hmm. for Latinx in architecture, right? Like less than, I think it's less than 1%. 1%. Yeah, and so we're not afraid to bring those those demographics up and be like, hey, what's kind of going on here? And let's, we're trying to, you know, some people left some wonderful comments about how we can move forward and we're taking that information and making sure that we can somehow translate it in a way that people are aware of what's going on. I think that's that's just the beautiful part of our of our group is that no matter who you are, we all take a part in 
making sure that everybody is included. So if that means <laughs> we're gonna uh, do this whole celebration for Latinx Heritage Month, then so be it, right? We're gonna make sure that we're touching base on everyone because that's everybody's responsibility. Yeah, and I think that us four, we come from all these minority backgrounds and we want to celebrate us. We wanna show people that there's more than just a Eurocentric architecture our home countries they also have buildings like where did they come from <laughs> nobody ever speaks about that so i think just giving information to the people in general in a platform that was very important to us inclusivity is also very important to us so i think that having that really long discussion about the term was very important especially because i mean i'm from latin america so i know how non-inclusive a lot of the countries there could be i know a lot of people that still are, are like struggling with the term Latinx. They don't accept it. I do understand though, because that term is actually more Americanized rather than like Latin America as a whole. Like when you go to the countries in Latin America, they don't recognize the term because it was a term that was created here in the America. So they're like, what is that? So we did a couple of research on that actually that we included in our series, the overall name of the series called Cultura which is just culture, like in Spanish. And there were like all these other terms that came about also that people in Latin America use instead of Latinx, they use Latine because it like flows with Spanish better. So I'm like, there's so many things that we don't know about. So I feel like putting this information out there, I think education is also a big part of our platform. So like just ed educating in general, if people have questions, like we are very, approachable like you could just reach us through dm and we will answer you could just go ahead and, and do that uh, and i think we want to make that very clear to everybody because architecture sometimes people think that it's such a snobby career like architects are just like up here and they don't talk to anybody sometimes you could feel that way but we just want to make it clear to everybody that they could always reach out to us. We also did have a lot of responses and statements kind of saying, here's an idea of how we can actually change this. And we appreciated it so much because then it starts to really feel like a community. And then we actually, we said, can we use this on our website? So the idea of the more time that passes, the more our platform starts to become really educative and really celebratory because that's what we're all about, positive vibes, but also like really bringing things straightforward and saying, listen, this needs to change and think of ways to change it because right now it's not working. So what are you going to do about it and putting people accountable? And I think uh, like we said this before, if we want to talk about diversity or talk about Latinx information in general, we just can't talk about it with a group of circle of women that are Latinas and stuff, then change is not gonna happen. We have to give this information out to everybody. Like you can't, your circle just can't be one group. It has to be multiple people. So I think that's where the conversation started as well. I reached out to you originally because I wanted to do something for Latinx month. And I, my own reasons for saying Latinx is because I'm Caribbean. So that's more of a, a relationship to me. And I wanted to, I didn't want to just find a Latina to talk to. I wanted to focus on a topic. And my topic was uh, colorism. I had to go back to my memory banks and really think of uh, Afro-Latina. And I only, had, only knew one in my life. 
and she wasn't in architecture. She was studying something else and she was Puerto Rican. And I remember the conversations back then that we had and how she's my complexion and she would just be in her own familiar space and she would experience discrimination because of her skin color. And so I was like, I remember that conversation and it it carries me to this day. So I wanted to have that similar conversation, but I didn't know anybody who was um, a Latina that was my complexion in architecture. Not to say that they don't exist. Of course they do. And they don't even have to be American, but I could not find it. And so I went to you guys and do you know anybody? And I did not pursue that because I wanted to do a panel. And I knew one gentleman, I knew of, and like I knew him personally, that I was going to reach out to. And I wanted to have a panel discussion about that, but I didn't have enough time, people, like it was just it was just cumbersome. So have you guys had that discussion at all with colorism or in that sense? So that's what we're trying to do with Transcend is really amplify. And we actually had a feature who was a Latina and her name was Peggy and she was amazing. And she talked about this issue of colorism in architecture. And she started discussing how her stance was in also a private school, which was very interesting, which we did visit a lot of private schools in New York. And we felt oh, this is not where we belong. (laughs) So talking with her was really interesting to see how she started making moves, not just in studio or discussing design ideas, but she was really, she amplified her voice in a lot of different organizations and networks with AIAS, NOMA, NOMAS. She was everywhere. And I remember we were actually on a meeting and like I bumped into her and I was like, hey, Peggy. So I think it was really like, it was such a beautiful connection because it was right when we reached out to our features, that friendship is kind of formed because it's, they're trusting us to display their story. So it just becomes, and then we start to relate to each other a lot with what they're saying. So we just, that was something I really wanted to mention. I also think that colorism in general is like a huge topic in Latin America. Like... I come from there and I know, I know that colorism is a problem. Like a lot of people sometimes in our countries, they might not think of racism, but that's because they're, they're not educated, right? Enough sometimes. And they're like, it's not spoken about in the media. If you see all the telenovelas, everybody's white in the novelas. I think it's until recently that they are like very limited exclusiveness. But it's something that happens all the time and then something that's not spoken about. And I think that like maybe we as a platform as as well, we should do more research into the topic because I mean, none of us have like the Afro-Latino background either. So it's you have to do more research. You have to get in contact with more people. And I think we will definitely look into this more and try to get more information, try to get more stories from people. So it becomes more of a topic that everybody knows about. I'm trying to rehab, I don't know if you were there, Melissa, with that that conference with Pascal, Ellen, and Vanessa. They talked about kind of, it was, I think it was power to the people. So I think, I mean, just kind of, right, like that, even for us, that was a way of educating ourselves too. And, and we were so honored to kind of just hear, 
hearing their stories of their, I think, Dominica, Haiti, right, and Puerto Rico. So that was a nice way. But I do agree with Soani. It, it is something that we, we I think we're, even, I'm even learning, we're all even, we're all learning. But it's definitely an, an issue that we try to make sure we're representing every, everybody. And I think that's why it's so, it's, we, I'm almost 100% sure there are a lot of diverse people in our industry, but they're just not being represented or they're not, they don't have the confidence to put themselves out there. And I feel in that way, I feel that same way because as, you know, women of color, we, I think I, I can talk about it from as somebody who's East Asian, right? Like when we're home, sometimes even we feel the doubt of become becoming an architect our parents are like can you do it are you sure like we know it's hard and you're staying up so late while obviously they are supportive but you know we don't get the confidence and the encouragement that maybe a white person does so it's it's important that our platform is kind of moving forward in this way and i think that i'm really proud that we are that it is a lot of educating ourselves too like we we're not perfect we're still learning but we are hoping that we can represent everybody and i think that what's really um important about this topic as well is that colorism might not just be a problem within latin america I think we mostly have, like, when we do have conversations just in general within the four of us, we always talk about these topics. And then Nadine has brought up, like, her background from Egypt and how that colorism also affects in the country. And Sharon has spoken about Korea and also there. So I, I think that this will be a great topic, actually, to further discuss in our platform, like, while we do more research. But yeah, thanks for bringing it up, actually. I will definitely promote it when you guys do it. (laughs) Because it's just so, so, so complicated. Like, even where I'm from, I never know what to put on the census. Do I put Middle Eastern? And then I think a lot of people tend to forget that half of Egypt is Black. And what do they put? Do they have to put white because they're technically Middle Eastern and like how do you define that and I think it's something that we really need to discuss because I personally was looking at NCARB and I'm like so is there no Middle Eastern because there's no Middle Eastern in architecture or are you just ignoring us what's the what's the verdict on that and I think it's also realizing that even NCARB and how they start to define Hispanics or Latinx it's like why are you dividing them into different categories why can't it just be an overall community and that starts to really be placed in people's minds and I don't know if all these organizations realize that everything they do affects the population overall. We look at Prima and we're always reflecting on what could we have done better because we are new and there are always ways to improve and be even more inclusive. Okay, this is not enough. We want to make sure everyone from everywhere can look at our website and be like, I'd love to get connected with her because we share a similar story. I want to like actually talk more about this or I want to learn about that. And we actually started releasing some transcend stories and people did start asking questions throughout through our DMs on Instagram. Like, I'd love to talk to this person. And we're just like, say less. (laughs) So 
I think it's just a very important topic to discuss and it's a huge issue everywhere with politics, with class, with everything. And unfortunately, people receive opportunities more than others because of these really harsh reasons. And this is something we're trying to bring light to because every time someone suggests something, that improves already the community. How about role models? So you guys are in school or even now, do you have any, and this this is a complicated question now because it's not, you have your role models that you go for other sources, right? Not just architecture role models. And then you have your architecture role models if you have any. And then if they're all combined, do you have anyone that, because it was important for me to home in on an architect that looks like me who has a similar background as me. So, okay, go. (laughs) Who's going? (laughs) Uh, I'll start. So within our school, it was very hard to find Latina architect because obviously most of, I don't know for other schools, but I'm speaking for ours, a lot of the professors were white male or European, or if they were women, they were usually white American. So it was in the sense of like how to find somebody who looks like you, it was very hard. But I lean more towards um, women architects just in general, because I connected with a lot of women professors that I took. And obviously, they were all, I think, no, there was only one, there was one uh, professor who was Asian, she was Indian, and another professor who was Italian. And I had so much respect for these women because they were such role models and how they just took a stance, like they were like the no nonsense type of professors. And I really admire that from like a female perspective because obviously it makes you look like a B-I-T-C-H when you're in a professional world. But in that stance, you kind of have to take the initiative and forget what other people say. So I think in terms of role models, like when, I don't think when I first started like the career, I think I was mostly looking up to like my family members for encouragement. And then you learn that the profession is very different from your family home, right? So I was like, like what's happening here? And I, towards the end, like I believe my third year going into fourth year, can't, I actually forgot. I was a fourth going into fifth. I'm not sure, but I interned at FX Collaborative, and that's actually where I met Shannon Rodriguez. And she was such just such a strong personality out here. I remember her the way she used to walk through the firm, like talk to everybody. I'm like, wow, this woman's amazing. And then on top of that, she does like all these different things outside of firms, like advocating for women, advocating for students. That I really appreciated. And she advocates just for Latin people in general. Like she comes from a Puerto Rican background and I know I always look up to her. She always has this energy and I'm like, where does all this time come from for her? She's always like doing something. And then on top of that, she has her work at the firm. So she's like the HR representative. And I'm like, wow, she's always active. And recently I actually connected with an architect from Chicago. So like through this whole pandemic, through I also got featured in Madame Architects. So like she connected uh, with me through there. And I believe, oh man, I don't know. I don't want to guess, but I think she has an Ecuadorian background. And she started this initiative called Arquitinas that she invited me to. And the whole entire initiative is just to help women that are on their path to getting, not women, Latinx women on their path to like licensing to increase the percentage. It was sort of like a mentoring program. And I'm just inspired by her, the fact that she reached out to me, the fact that she collected all these other 
Latino architects that are already licensed and put them together in a group and was like, okay, we're gonna mentor this next generation oh. of Latinas in order for them to get licensed. And the fact that I was not even in the path and she was like, come in anyways. And that's where I started to learn all these things that you need to know, like how expensive it is. I'm like, why is this so expensive? Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that she is currently like one of my biggest inspiration, like the person I look up to now. I'm just like, what is Alicia doing? Like, how are we keeping up with this licensing, even though I'm not there yet? <laughs> She's always reaching out too. It's not like we did the program and then it finished. It's always like, okay, we're going to keep checking in on each other. How are we doing on the exams? And it's something that I really appreciate. I think for me, I mean, I am first generation to graduate in America. So to say I was lost is the biggest statement. And I remember like I reached out to so many professors and I was like, so is grad school next or what's, what's going on? Anyways, so I really... Similar to Suwani, my role models kind of came towards end of my years at Spitzer. And while I do have so much respect for professors at Spitzer, my role models really came from, one of them was through the Architectural League, the mentorship program, where I met Maj Zahida, who became my, who was assigned as a mentor to me. And she has been so welcoming, so understanding, so supportive. And I realized that my role model doesn't just have to be someone who's well, well, well known, but just someone who's genuine and really wants to include you in the profession and make space for you and help make that space for you in the profession. And then someone else who I've met also through all these video calls was Talisha from AIA Brooklyn, who's also welcomed me with open arms. And both of these women have truly inspired me through the works that they've done, through their, ad their positive attitude towards everything and just how they are, you can always tell when someone is genuine. So just how accepting they have been of me and of everyone around me and just providing opportunities for anyone that is seeking them. For me, uh, Sawani, I think my role models were obviously my family members, my parents, and they just work so hard. So, but obviously they couldn't understand what I was doing in architecture. So I think, yeah, as Nidhi mentioned too, most of my mentors came later, right towards the end of my years at Spitzer. And I think I was, I took a co-op internship class and basically we learn about the industry and that was led by Vanessa Alicia Chuki. And she is just, she is, she's everywhere, but she's amazing. And I think Dean really put it great is she's not somebody obviously working at, at a very well-known firm, but she in her own way is carving the path for everybody. And I mean everybody. So she's, she's, I have to say, she's one of the people that really supported us from the beginning as an organization through Pimber Arc. And she got us in contact with architects and she's been really putting ourselves out, out there. Mm -hmm. And even with our RISE leadership program, because Vanessa is president of the CCNY ARC alumni group. So in many ways, I mean, I have to say she's really, she's so amazing. And she's, I mean, she's studying for her, I think she's studying for her master's. Yeah. And even now she's just, I got to do this reading. And just, even then I'm just so impressed. Like she's just, she is one person that I've seen like truly commit 
to what she wants mm-hmm. to do, even if so late in her, so late in her, I guess, later in her career. Yeah. We're always looking forward to meetings with her. Like she's always <laughs> inspiring us. And, but I think overall, and I think it's the idea of that's where the positive the positives of virtual comes in is that we've met amazing women. If you asked us who inspired us, the list will go, we're not ending at 10 and we're going to end at 8 PM or something (laughs) like the list goes on and on. And we just learn about all these initiatives that women have taken. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm." so who runs the world again? I have to say the role, I think the commonality of all of our role models is that they were able I guess despite who they were just able to listen to us, to hear us out, to support us. And that was so refreshing. And as I think most of us, like I said, we we had our mentors later in the years of our of our school. So we kind of in the beginning we really struggled with recognition and under somebody just coming up to us and being like, that was great work, continue, work harder, you got this. And that's why the mentors that, you know, that we really, and the role models that we really seeked out and that we really admired were the ones who just listened to us, who heard us out and who encouraged us and was, I think, transparency, who were really honest about the industry and just laying it out. I just remember when Vanessa sent us like the AIA code of ethics and I was like, what is this? And she was the first person to introduce us to, to that kind of field and be like, okay guys, like it's, this is it. And it's like, it, I think that's, that's what we love. The transparency, the honesty, and just being authentic. And I think they represent that's why we do what we do because they represent the industry that we are. I think that just to add on to our list, I think we all agree that Vanessa in general has been like a mentor for all of us. And when we first started the organization, she was like so supportive. She was like, yes, you could do it, go for it. Like she was, she has always been here for us and she has connected us with so many people. And I think we also want to add Julie Nelson. She's a partner at BKSK. She was our professor for our final semester. And it was her first time teaching, which is crazy because she had to teach us virtually, like studio virtually. And then from there, we just had such a connection with her. Like we are constantly in contact with her now. We're always talking to her. She's so supportive of us and our organizations. She's always worried about what we're doing, always connects with us. She actually sponsored us to go to a NOMA conference uh, this year. So she's always reaching out. And I think that she also has become a great mentor for us. We really appreciate her. And, and I yeah. think all these mentors are starting to just become friends. We found each other just randomly texting or emailing, hey, I think it's time for a check-in. <laughs> and if you had asked me personally, like in first semester, if that's where I see myself in, I'd be like, oh no, that'll never happen. But they've been so open and to hearing us and just supporting us and saying, you have a question, come ask me, I'm here for you. And I think it's so important to just, if you can be in that position, be in that position for the next generation, because it just has such a strong impact on us and it starts to indirectly impose confidence in us to grow and put ourselves out there and for current students they should definitely sign up for mentors mentoring programs 
because it's such a huge help with yourself and then also communicating with others like it really gives you confidence boost and also helps you like it just helps you overall okay two more questions one this is specifically for nadine i didn't ask so you're from egypt how did you get here so I was actually born and raised here. Oh, okay. Every, every from there, right? Yes. Okay, but the it. reason why I really consider myself Egyptian is because my parents, since like I'm first generation, they really made it a point that I'm raised as an Egyptian with the culture, um, heritage, that I know the language, that I know my family back home. Unfortunately, I am the only family here. And so they really made it a point that we go like there every summer. And if not every summer, like just every other summer and like really interact with our family there with the housing there. And that's when I started realizing the devastating lifestyle that a lot face in Egypt, especially if your class, if you're from the lower income over there, how you're mistreated, they can't even get, if they're not really favored of you over there, where you come from, religiously, or like even just being lower income, you do not get medical help. Simple tasks as that. And I just felt I needed to change that. And that's when I started to really think about urbanism and started to really think about people back home, because I think the media also shows something very different. They start showing the bougie lifestyle, acting like it's Dubai or something, and it's not when you go there. So that's really it. But I really do consider myself just Egyptian, and I really want to bring these values in. And that's why I'm very passionate about what do I call myself at the end of the day, because I don't know. And I think it's also, there's just a huge problem with the census that I am trying to change, because what is Middle Eastern to you? Because you're defining it as white, but that's not what I define it as. What's African-American to you? And then now there's this new concept that people are saying North African. And I'm like, but what's that? <laughs> so I'm lost when it comes yeah, to that. Yeah. What's the goal for the future with you and your organization? Start off with you personally, but then also with the organization. What is it that you want to do or see yourself or goals or five years or whatever you want to call it? Well, I, I did start to put myself out there in terms of different organizations that are advocating for diversity and inclusion in architecture. So I really see myself, I already consider myself as a design advocate, but I really see myself just pursuing a career in that and pursuing designs that focus on communities. So I really hope that I can take part in large scale projects that focuses on community as well. And then just a designer and like a hype woman. I remember in studio, we would end at six and sometimes I would leave at seven or eight. And that was because whoever needed help, we helped each other. We sketched each other's ideas. We So I hope that I become that person that someone wants to just learn from or get inspired from, motivated from, because I just feel like everyone is special in their own way and I get really upset when I see professors don't recognize people that have been improving and I get upset because that does take a mental toll on you so I really just do hope to shed light I think I've started I hope to just continue it and Sounds then like for Prima Sounds like you want to uh, yeah Nadine go I mean mm, <laughs> I really I'm just want to be here so let's start that I would I mean I, I was a TA and I loved it but then again I am harsh <laughs> When it comes to these perfect. things. So. You make a perfect architecture professor. For Prima, well, do you want us to answer that together or I can just in answer the, that? I mean, 
oh honey I hope we grow on a national level oh. <laughs> yeah like we actually started reaching out to AIA across internationally and we started reaching out to them so we really hope that Prima becomes this huge index of like thousands of women everywhere so anyone that's even if you're in high school we hope to feature you if you're a partner one one little thing I'm sorry interrupt before you ladies got on the call I actually well are you guys a studio are you guys like that that was my first thought and first question because it's you're acting like you're acting like a studio. You're acting like Isn't a- Isn't that good? I'm like in, happy in about this. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, like seriously. And one question I do have for you, or maybe for all you guys, are you going, are you like a LLC? Are you the paperwork, all that stuff? Like business-wise, are you guys, yeah? I think we're, I mean, we're trying, we're aiming to be like, to be officially ob- like a nonprofit. But other than that, I mean, we, it's a bit hard. I'm just gonna be honest. We're, we're as lost as unlike all the paperwork and stuff, but yeah, like we're trying to aim to be a nonprofit organization and just putting ourselves out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. I hope you guys do that. I really hope you guys do that. This could be legitimate your career. Go for it, ladies. Like this time next year, when I want to talk to you guys again, you're like, yes, Melissa, I can't even book you because you're like all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I love honestly that. like thank you we can't thank you enough Melissa like, we really do appreciate just having a platform to speak on but to even feel like that hope for us and that support really means the world That's we it. never anticipated that we would grow we had the hopes for it but we were just like let's just do it and see what happens <laughs> and then it's amazing too that each of you individually have and I started off with Nadine and we'll continue on with the rest of you ladies but you have a specific goal. You want to go home and solve that problem. And there's no written stone or whatever to say that you can do that and be your own thing and also be here too. That's just amazing. Don't ever think like that. And me being from like immigrant parents, like I'm first generation too. And my mom, even my sister, cause she's from she was born and raised in Trinidad and then came here, is that you work at a place for 30 years. You get that pension or you get that whatever, and it's just that mindset. And so it was very difficult for me to get out of that, to think outside the box, to think freely, because culturally you don't, there was never that opportunity. I can't, I can only speak for me. I don't know about you ladies, but you know, You know, like, it's just, you stay in this path, you do this thing, you get married, have babies, and you die. Like, right. that's it. Like, there's this path. Model minority. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. It. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. but now, like, everything, this was an eye-opener for me. I'm sorry to, to do this, but no, it's no. an eye-opener for me, especially with using this platform. I think that that conversation just needs to happen more, I think, with women of color, right? Being able to understand that we also have the ability to kind of achieve that. I mean, Vanessa, I think, also forced us to. She was like, you guys need to become a 5013C. And we're like, what is a 5013C? And so, yeah, we're, I think, yeah, it's just, I think it's really rewarding that you're, you're telling us that. And I think, yeah, it's, with something that we definitely want to achieve and I think it's well worth it I think that like to go off sort of your question for the future goals just in terms of Prima Prima Vidaric 
<laughs> we call it prima sometimes. <laughs> Just in terms for prima of arc, I really think that's in like our future goals. And we really want to keep it moving forward. I think we had like conversations of either sponsorships or scholarships. And well, how does that happen? It's like all this, every time we think of something, there's like a million doors you have to open in order to get an answer. And I think that's, that's sometimes like a pushback because we're not very like informed in certain things since we just graduated this, like our first experience doing all of this. But we definitely want to see Primavera grow. Nadine said nationally, and we want to be out here. We really want to make our mark, and I don't think we're going to go away anytime soon. So we're going to be here, hopefully, for a, a lifetime more. More, right, Nadine, we're going to move it on. We're going to pass it on to the next generation <laughs> afterwards. I think, I think just on my kind of ideas, it's to kind of this idea of passing on to the next generation, right? Primavera Arc is special and it's a, a product of the experiences that we went through, but we also want other people, the next gen, the next gen, to also start their own organization or to feel like they also have a voice to put out there because not all of our stories are the same. And so I think that that's really important because even when we started, we're just like, hey, no one's going to hear us out. No one's going to care what we say because obviously in school, we didn't get that recognition. So who's gonna, who in the outside world is going to hear us out? But, you know, at the end of the day, you reach a certain point where you're just like, enough is enough. I, I don't care if no one's going to listen to me, even if one person likes the post like at least that's being heard, that's being listened to, right? Just by one single person. So make sure, we hope to just encourage anybody, like whether you're a woman of color, anybody, just put your voice out there and now is the time. Like you, especially because we are in this pandemic and with election everything, it's such a turning point in our history. So make sure that you're using your voice and that you're advocating for what you believe in because you have a space. You have a space in this world. Yeah, like saying, going off what Sharon said, like definitely put yourself out there. Use the internet to your advantage. Just because you're locked in the house doesn't mean you can't do anything. Like we decided that we wanted to do this organization because we didn't want to just sit in the house and just like mope around just because we didn't have a graduation. Like we wanted to take a, a stance and make a change with the situation that we were in. And then also help student, current students out. Like it's not going to be all sad and gloomy all the time. Like you can definitely reach out to somebody, get a mentor or get somebody to be your like guide and also have somebody to look up to definitely get a role model even if it's not now maybe in next semester definitely look into that and then also like for ourselves I definitely want us to be mentors in the future and definitely have little versions of us and we mentor them and they can look up to us and yeah, I think for Prima, I, we really want people to also like work with us later in the future, like maybe have like little employees working in our organization and maybe pass this organization down when we get older and this becomes like a global thing. I have a personally, definitely like for me in this moment, I know this helped me out in um, the long run or in the short run because I've always been shy and like these girls have always been my motivational group. And the fact that we always felt like we were never um, seen or heard in our school. So this is something that like really like kind of pushed us and motivated us individually. And I can speak for myself, like, this is just like a huge game changer. This is like history in the making for us. Any last words? 
network. <laughs> I guess that's my, I guess, kind of hopping off of everybody, right? Make the one, I think the one thing that architecture school doesn't teach you is to network, right? You need to start networking and that is how you get connected. And even if you don't think that connection will, you know, help you, it, it will help you in the long run. And it's something that I wish I started early in, earlier in my architectural education, but it's so hard. And I, that's why I, I think we're, I really appreciate the group of girls that I'm working with because we're so, we're, I think that it's, I'm so passionate about design education, but you know, we go through these five years and they're expecting us to produce such amazing, beautiful work. You really don't have much time to network and really put yourself out there. Even You have to balance it out and make sacrifices, but even then it, it is kind of a struggle. So I do hope like even if you have the time, network, reach out, join a program and just make sure that you're keeping connected. Like even you, Melissa, like I hope we stay connected and just make sure that we build a community of, of people who really represent, I think, our industry. So network. <laughs> I also wanted to just mention that Prima is here for anyone and everyone. You want to vet, you want to share your story, you want to do a fun series, you can participate. We welcome everyone with open arms. But I think it's, letting everyone know that you are worth it. You are worth to celebrate yourself. You are important and you will become a good designer, architect, whatever you hope to be in the profession, as long as you chase it. And there will be bumps on the road, but that's when, you know, you can seek help from us or anyone you consider as a mentor. Yeah, I also wanted to say that, like, I also wanted to emphasize that Prima, we also talk about, more than just architecture. There's more to the profession than just building and construction and codes, all these different codes that I still don't know about. But I'm like, that's why through our different series, I think that we try to amplify it. Each series has a different meaning beyond, it's going beyond architecture. Like what do women do beyond architecture? We're artists, we're designers, we're moms, we're cooks, we're all these different things. Then we have seven, it's like looking into our not just architecture, but looking into our health. Like, how do we take care of ourselves? How do we live life in quarantine? All of these things. So I think that Prima Vidark has really just lent itself to be all these different things for women in terms of just having a space where you feel heard. And I think that's why I love about it. It's like, you could, you could come to our page and you could be like, I relate to this. I'm not just an architect, I'm more than that. And I mean, I love our platform. Thank you, ladies, so much for, for taking the time out and talking to me. Thank you, Melissa. Yeah. Thank you. We are just so honored. We are we were so excited. We, we kept looking forward to today. <laughs> we're just so happy that we've met you and virtually, hopefully in person, whenever COVID wants to leave. But this is, it's not even just about opportunities, but it's about also meeting someone that you can start to relate to and value their experience as well. So we are just, we're yeah. very grateful. Yeah, I made four new friends. I love meeting you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you, ladies. Hey, listeners. I have an exciting announcement. I decided to launch a membership program for the show where you have a chance to support me and the show directly. I love creating this show 
And it means the world to me that you all tune in to keep hearing me week after week. But it takes an immense amount of time and energy to produce. I want to keep the show going and I want to invest in its growth. And I also want you to become a partner with me in this journey. That's why I'm excited to give you a chance to officially become a supporter of the show at glow.fm slash archispolly, A-R-C-H-I-S-P-O-L-L-Y, or by clicking the link in the show notes. It's quick and easy. It takes less than 30 seconds and just takes clicking a link in the show notes and using Apple or Google Pay. You don't have to create any new logins and you can contribute as much or as little as you like. If this show is part of your day or week and you like what I'm doing, then visit glow.fm slash archespolly, all one word, and support me and the show in any way you can today.